on this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. We talk some OU football by discussing OU's big recruiting weekend, and we react to what we heard from the Sooners at Big 12 Media Day in the National College Football Roundup. We discuss some of the takeaways from the other nine teams at Big 12 Media Days, and we finish up giving you our winners and losers of the weekend. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Our man, Michael Hostie, will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, July 19th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and your health and safety are Riverwind's number one priorities. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winging environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And Fridays in July from 6 p.m. to midnight, you can win your share of $100,000 in cash and bonus play in Riverwind's $100,000 Freedom and Fortunes Giveaway. If you need help finding your way, just visit riverwind.com, Riverwind Casino, simply the one. Now we're recording this Sunday night. Ted, how are we feeling? How are we feeling? I feel fantastic, man. Very good. Been so, a restful weekend. Good. So recharge the batteries. I had a long week going to Dallas, uh, went to Big 12 Media Days. We're going to talk a lot about the things that we heard from the people there. But I, I've received probably the best compliment I've received uh, this weekend. And so when you have the baby, right? Yeah. Everyone compliments the baby. Oh, he's so cute. Oh, he's so big. Oh, he's great. They talk, hey, your wife, she looks great. They really never say anything about you. No. Which I'm fine with. I didn't expect to get any compliments. But every once in a while, getting one. And my wife's friend's mom on Sunday, she saw me and she goes, you know, you don't look sleep deprived at all. And I was like, you know what? There it is. There's nice. the compliment. That's I, I did. And I sat there and I was like, you know what? That's like the nicest thing anyone has said to me in these four weeks of this child being alive. Like it, it made me feel good. You take what you can get, you know, at this point, you're you're third in line for any compliments that are going to happen. You're just kind of like there, you know, from this point on. So you take when you can get them. That's awesome. Yeah. So I, I heard that and I was like, it, it gave me a little pep in my step on Sunday. <laughs> and I was like, it, it's given me some energy. 
heading to us recording this. So I was like, okay, here we go. Okay, let's get straight to the OU football stuff. There's a lot, a lot to digest. Ted, let's start with recruiting news, right? And, you know, we, we don't talk a ton of recruiting on here, but there were some significant developments this weekend for OU football. Malachi Nelson has committed to the University of Oklahoma. Rivals has him as their second overall player. I believe he's fifth overall when you look at the 24-7 composite in the class of 2023. He's the number number two QB behind some kid named Arch Manning. But Lincoln Riley, he gets his guy out of the state of California. It was the only guy they offered in this recruiting class. It was the guy they wanted. And you start looking at the run at the quarterback position. It's, it's getting ridiculous, man. I don't know how else to describe it. It is. Um, it's, it's fantastic. You know, you've got, you've got the conveyor belt going right now. Um, you know, Spencer Rattler's link. Everyone's criticism of Lincoln was, well, he can't do it with any of his own recruits. He's got to do it with transfers as if that's a criticism that even matters. Who cares uh, what players you're using to get it done? But now we've got Spencer Rattler is right now the starter. Caleb Williams on campus looking fantastic. You've locked up Malachi Nelson for your, uh, your following year class. It's, it's cruising. Five-star quarterback is, is going to be the, the norm around here for the, for the time being, I feel like. I, I would assume that Lincoln Riley, from this point on, Lincoln Riley, as long as he's at Oklahoma, he's not going to have a kid that won the five-star. I, I think that, that that's just the type of respect. I, I mean, you you develop guys like Baker and Kyler and, and Jalen Hurts, and you send them to the league. You get two of them drafted first overall. Like, there's going to be the, one of the best two or three quarterbacks in every recruiting class. Now, it seems like they're developing a pattern of getting one every other year, right, to kind of space it out, to make the guys feel good about it. So they target their one guy, and that's not going to slow down. <laughs> I mean, this run of QBs at OU, I don't know if if the word historic is going to be – is if that's too drastic, but that's kind of how it's feeling, man. Yeah, it's going to – he'll have five stars in his recruiting classes. Now, it wouldn't shock me if – a four-star or a transfer or something came in that wasn't originally a five-star and maybe beat someone out. I'm not saying that happens this year, next year. Like Something like that could happen, but he's going to be able to get the recruits that he wants, and typically that's going to end up being a five-star guy. So I totally agree. Yeah, it's – and with the way the football is now, if – you're rock solid at the quarterback position. You're in good shape. I mean, that's that's the most important thing in the sport. So, yeah, OU fans, really, really happy after getting that news on Sunday. Some other good news that OU got this weekend. Running back Trayon Webb committed to Oklahoma. He's currently the 46th overall prospect in the class of 2023, according to 24-7 Sports. This is a Florida product who chose OU over Georgia and Ohio State. 
So you beat two of the three big boys in recruiting for this kid. And Ted, you've been saying this stuff was coming for a long time, my friend. It looks like DeMarco Murray just might be good at this uh, whole recruiting thing. Yeah, it's whenever he at the champion barbecue, he was there. And I mean, he looked totally in his element. Uh, He was he was comfortable. He was confident. He was, you know, cutting it up with all the kids, parents. You could tell that something was a little bit different. And, um, you know, I was asking him about a couple of the guys and he's like, I asked him how strong he felt and he said he felt really good. And he also said, I may have more than that coming. So uh, he's he's got his pipeline worked out. He's doing some really good things right now. And I only think that's going to continue to grow. You got to remember, and I know I've said it a hundred times, but was not able to be in front of a recruit for an entire year ever since he worked here. Basically, what, maybe two weeks after he signed on at OU is whenever the – dead period started and the pandemic started so this is the first crack that he's had at it and he's already looking really good yeah so you look at the type of kids that are going to want to come play for DeMarco in the backfield you look at the type of kids that are wanting to come play quarterback for Lincoln you look at the type of receivers that they've been able to bring in these last couple of recruiting classes. Maybe Lincoln Riley's tired of people talking about the defense, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they're just loading up. And I know that this is how they do it at Bama and Ohio State and Clemson. Like, this is this is what the Blue Blood elite programs do. But it does feel like the recruiting is getting ramped up to a new level. And, you know, I'm – you, you know how I am, Ted. I'm more of a, okay, that's great. You know, get high recruiting class rankings. That's awesome. But let's see what they do when they get here. Like, that's just how I've always been. But when you look at the results and compare them to the recruiting rankings, yeah, there's a correlation there, right? Stars matter. Like, they do. Anyone that thinks they don't, that that's just foolish. So, I mean, this is exciting stuff for OU for the future of the program, man. It is. Right now, uh, 247 Sports has them as the number five class. Um, and, you know, I, I, don't know, I don't know necessarily what the ceiling is for them because I know Alabama's behind them, Oregon's behind them, Georgia's behind them. But if they hang around that number five spot and, you know, and obviously – you know, you're, you're in a good position for future signing classes as well, not just this one. So yeah, I, I think OU's got it rolling right now. The only thing missing Gabe semifinal win in playing in a national championship and all it, all it takes is, I know it's, I'm making it sound easy. Like all you have to do is win a semifinal and, and play in a national championship. But if they can do that, get into a national championship and who knows, maybe win one. I think you could see Oklahoma be set up to go on on a tremendous run. No, I'm with you. And 
it, it it comes down to Lincoln Riley and his staff winning some more battles on the recruiting trail like they did for Trayon Webb, right? I mean, he chooses yeah. them over Georgia and Ohio State. Well, that's you start you start getting guys like that to go to Oklahoma instead of Bama, instead of Clemson. Like those are the type of recruiting wins that can take your team, your program to the next level and get you over that hump. Right. So we're all hoping it's this year. We've talked about this year being the year with the group they have back on defense and with all the talent they have on the offensive side of things, but it, it could be possible that maybe you start looking down the road for what we may, what may be the most talented teams we're going to see in Norman for a while. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, here's, Offensively, I don't think anyone is going to be too shocked whenever they see these commitments. But defensively, there's some big stuff happening defensively as well. And we're starting to to get commitments from guys that had offers from the names at the top of that list. Alabama, Southern Cal, uh, Georgia, those type of programs. So the offense recruiting wise right now leading the direction i think the defense is soon to follow if they put together a a really really good season like i expect them to and some of these guys are going to be sunday players and and make their way into the draft then i i think the defense recruiting wise is going to be right there behind them yeah uh, i guess the only concern becomes how long is alex grinch going to stay i know you don't like to talk oh, no. about it but what are they paying Venables now? Two and a half million? Two and a half million. It's That's crazy. the market price. The, the market has been set. It's worth it, though. It's worth it. Now, I know he wants to be a head coach, and I know he's already had offers. If, if OU has the season a lot of people think they're, they're capable of this year, he's going to have some good offers. And there's going to be some decent jobs out there that I think if you were Alex Grinch, you'd have to consider. I think Virginia Tech's going to be open, and I I hate to say it, but I think that job suits him perfectly. Don't say it. I know. Don't do that, because that means no, you guys losing his job, and then because he's losing his job, we'd lose Grinch. That would be horrible, Ted. I know. I know. Trust me. Well, I don't Flinte, want to figure it out, man. Yeah. We'll see. Sooners also got a commit from the 12th ranked tight end in the class of 2022, Caden Helms. Saw some of this kid's highlights, and my reaction is, Ted, you can never have too many big athletes that can catch the football, man. I mean, yep. <laughs> just just stockpile them. Yep. And that position is whenever you've got a weapon there, it's a game changer, man. It really is. Look at look at what Pitts did at Florida. Obviously, what Mark Andrews has done uh, at Oklahoma. What Kohler's done in at Iowa State, and what I think Stogner is capable of here in our offense. It's it's something that's really difficult to defend against. Yeah. So that's that's another good get. You know, we'll we'll see what he develops into. I think he's already like 225 pounds. He'll be up to 250, I'm sure, in no time. So, yeah, just a a very very good recruiting weekend for Lincoln Riley and his staff. Okay, Lincoln Riley, Jeremiah Hall, and Nick Benito 
were at Big 12 Media Day on Wednesday, and I was down there in Arlington at Jerry World covering it for SiriusXM Radio. And, and Ted, I, I wanted to get some of your thoughts on some of the things that we heard from Lincoln and from the players. And the first was just, hey, why is Rattler not here? And I love it. He's like, he's a sophomore. He's a sophomore. It's just like, okay, man. I mean, guy's going to be the face of college football, but he, he answered it the same way every time. He's a sophomore. He's an underclassman. He's a sophomore. I was just like, all right. Uh, it's funny that Jeremiah Hall was great, by the way. He was fantastic. I think some of the people that don't cover OU and aren't close to the program, you know, some of the guys that cover Texas, cover Iowa State came up to me and they're like, why, why, why is a fullback here? And I was like, just give him a chance. You'll see. Like, he's going to give you some really good stuff. And he did. I, I had multiple people come up to me after, after OU went through the car wash Tell me they're like, you're right, man. He, he gave us some great stuff. We're going to be able to write stuff. I was like, I told you there's a reason he's there. Well, I have no problem with Rattler not being there. Um, I think it, it's, it probably is like something that they've always done. It's a upperclassman thing, but here's the deal. If Spencer Rattler goes, he's going to be answering questions the entire time it's not going to be about what's his offensive line look like or what's the receiving core look like and how's this team come together it's not going to be any of that it's going to be so who else did you have offer other than raising canes how much money do you think you're going to make from the uh, name and likeness deal uh that i feel like it would have been a circus that has nothing to do with this football team and I feel like Lincoln may have been trying to avoid that, but I don't know. Just a theory. Or or he could have come and brought all of us raising canes. Yeah. Which is what I was hoping would happen, but it didn't. No, but I, I I'm with you. Not not to say that it would have been a distraction. I don't think that's the right word. It it just would have it would have been different. You're right. He would have gotten completely different questions than any other player there probably and the the media will get to talk to him eventually maybe whenever lincoln asked him to go to big 12 media days he said okay yeah how much do you guys pay me for that <laughs> i bob bolsby should have called rattler and been like i will give you money to show up to this please okay so we we've talked about the offensive line being the big question mark for this team and I was able to ask Lincoln about it and he, he said some interesting things and one thing that really stuck with me is he he said that he thinks they can get back to being dominant on the offensive line if these guys can figure out now he also said they played musical chairs all spring but he's he's optimistic about the offensive line so I, I took that as a good sign heading in to the end of summer, heading into camp that he feels good about. It. Now, I, I suppose he wouldn't come out and say, you know, I don't really feel good about it, Gabe. That, that certainly is not the way he operates. But I did think the way that he framed it made it sound like there needs to be an attitude adjustment in the room. 
And he didn't exactly call out the last couple of years offensive lines, but the way that he said it, where he was like, we need to get back to being dominant up front. He, that's kind of how I interpreted it, but love the talent. We've said it so many times, love the talent in the room. Just got to put the pieces together. And he kind of, he kind of just reassured me on that, that they, they do have good pieces and it's, it's up to the best in the business. Bill Beanbutter put it together. Well, I'm glad he's confident, but kind of like what you said, he's not going to say anything different. So I'm more interested in, are you confident? I want to see him. I want to see him and try to get practice because I, 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 I believe in bill. I, I do. And I think the holes the, the, the big hole for me is center, right? Because you lose your best player, and now you have to fill that hole. Now, I feel really good about guard. I do. Uh, I feel really good about where Marquise Hayes is at physically. Tyrese Robinson lost a bunch of weight, was taking things way more seriously in the spring. Now, has the injury. He'll, he, he'll be back. He'll be fine. I feel good about those two guys. Can Raim or Chris Murray play not only at a high level physically, but can they get all the guys in the right places the way the Creed Humphrey did the last several years? Because those two guys aren't going to be as good as Creed physically. They can be, you know, 90%, maybe 85% of what Creed was when it comes to the physical ability they there needs to be there there cannot be a drop off when it comes to the mental processing at that position does that make sense like that's yeah. that's my concern is that there will be a, there, there's going to be a physical drop off i think if there's a bit of a mental drop off when it comes to experience understanding the system communicating like that's where you could see the level of play at that position be beneath where it needs to be and if you have a shitty center, you have a shitty offensive line. I'm just telling you right now. So we'll see that the talent at tackle is there. I think Anton Harrison is going to have a great year. I think he's going to figure it out. He switched to 71. You can't wear that number after Trent Williams wore it and be bad. That's them's the rules. Yeah. And Juan M. Morris is, I, I think he's going to come along. Also, I know he's received a lot of criticism. But Eric Swenson, he, I mean, he's a solid, serviceable college football player. And I think he can play every, every spot but center. So that if was a really long. Healthy. And stays healthy. That was a really long-winded way of saying, dude, I really hope they're good. <laughs> because yeah. I, the, the truth is, I don't know. I'm not going to know until I see him. And it doesn't take me long usually watching a group to know how they operate together and to know kind of the level they're playing at. And I hope the first time I get to see him in camp that I'm impressed. That's what, that's, that's yeah. what I'm hoping for, Ted. It's hard to access all of your weapons, your great wide receivers, your great backfield, your great quarterback. If the offensive line doesn't give you good solid play. And I'm, I don't know if you agree, but I feel like, this year, defensive line-wise in the Big 12, 
in really just defense in general in the Big 12, it may be as good as this conference has been in a while. No, I'm with you. Yeah. So, um, And after talking to those coaches at Big 12 Media Days, there's, there's a lot of coaches that feel pretty good about their defensive front. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Okay. Was it Aranda that said this is the Big 12 is the defensive league? Is that was it him that said that or was it, it he he said that uh Matt Wells said something similar and, and Lincoln said that he thought it may be the most innovative defensive league in the country when it comes to like the X's and O's and what what people are doing. So yeah, the the, the Big 12 the Big 12's reputation may may not have changed yet on the defensive side to the casual fan, but I can tell you after talking kind of off air with some of those coaches about other schools and other coaches that are asking them, you know, how they're doing things. Yeah. Big 12 defense getting some respect around the country. Yeah, there's I can't a, there's, wait for the SEC to say, well, yeah, but they don't play offense in the Big 12. Just <laughs> totally switch the narrative. That's going to be great. It's the circle of life. It's cyclical, right? Okay, right. a couple other things that Lincoln said when I was interviewing them that kind of stood out to me. It's the fact that he feels good about two guys at running back. Now, that's not what he said, but he he called them the lead dogs in the running back room, that's Eric Gray and Kennedy Brooks. So we'll see what the LSU kid was it Trey Bradford. I think that's his name. We'll see what he, he just got there. So we'll see what he ends up being able to do. But I thought that that was pretty interesting because, you know, they, they always talk about the depth of the room and he mentioned Marcus major and being a year more experienced, but it was, it was pretty clear to me that those are the two guys at running back. And I, it's not surprising, but just to hear him kind of come out and say it that way, I was like, okay, should I be concerned about running back depth then? That was like my initial thought, but both those dudes can play, and he continued to talk about how impressed he was and has been with Eric Gray, but that one kind of sent alarm bells off in my head, Ted, and I, don't, I can't decide how I feel about it. Yeah, running back is an interesting spot right now. Um, I think we know what we're going to get from Marcus Major. I think he's a good, solid, all-around back. I'm with you. Um, Pride of Millwood. Come on, Marcus Major. Eric Gray looked great through the spring, just limited uh, opportunity. So he looks good. I know the person I know the least about is Kennedy Brooks, like what he's going to be. Um, I didn't like the way that Lincoln kind of was talking about him in the spring. Um kind of hinted at a couple of the same things uh, down there at Big 12 Media Day as far as like rust and, you know, just getting back and getting in the groove. So I don't know. I, 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 I would, if I had to guess, I'd say right now, Eric Gray is probably going to be your main guy. Kennedy Brooks will probably be the number two, but someone else is going to factor in. Um, and, you know, when they factor in, that guy can end up, you know, if he's productive, ending up taking over the number two and maybe even sharing reps at number one. You just really don't know who that guy is right now. And the Bradford kid, uh, super athletic, has a lot of capabilities. So it's got to kind of wait and see. Yeah. Okay. So one, one thing that was very interesting. 
So uh, I was talking to Jeremiah Hall, and you and I, we, we've talked about the tight end depth for OU, right? When you look at, okay, Stogner coming back from the leg, Braden Willis probably being an, or definitely being an underutilized weapon. And by the way, he looks, I do, do you, do you do the thing I do where you just watch Benny Wiley's Instagram stories really closely? Do you do that? Or you don't have uh-uh. Instagram, do you? I don't. Yeah. You need to get it because you can watch a bunch of the kids doing the workouts. And I know that sounds creepy, but you know, I, <laughs> I need my football fix somehow. Braden Willis looks like a damn athlete. He looks like a damn machine He's in these a videos. Big dude. He's a big athletic dude. But Jeremiah Hall basically told me, he was like, you know what, dude? You may kind of consider me more of like a wide receiver after this year. And I was like, what? And he just had this smile on his face when he was telling me this. And so I am, I'm very interested to see you and we saw some flashes last year right where and you would bring it up on the broadcast where you're like that's not normal for a fullback to make that play down the field like that it sounds like Lincoln Riley saw some of that stuff and was like you know what we can we can use Jeremiah Hall in maybe a few more creative ways so him telling me that I was like okay uh, I am intrigued Uh, yeah there's a there's a ton of ways uh the split back formation that we run, uh, obviously with him as a fullback, Mikey Henderson did it some last year and they moved him to a running back. And I think uh, my guess is he was going to specialize in that split back formation. But if Jeremiah Hall's in there, it's easy to get that guy involved. Starts off as a back, right? Motions out and you pull someone away from the core, whether it's a safety or a backer, it's easy to go one-on-one there. Um, Whenever you have guys line up in a pair, a tight end on the ball connected to the tackle and a wing off and just like two wide receivers away from that on the other side, that is a very unique formation. It's a good running formation because you make the corner or the safety declare that they're into the fit, but also against the pass, those guys usually have to sort that out between corner safety and backer over there so knowing the sort you can get the matchup that you want and if they if they choose to use him that way because it's tough whenever that happens you don't know if he's going to line up as a fullback you don't know if he's going to line up as a wing you don't know if he's going to line up in a split back so guys like that man the more versatile the better you can use them a ton of different ways your defensive brain just going through all the scenarios of how to make life miserable. That's that's always fun. I enjoy it. Who tight ends that. is tough, man. You just think it's it's you know, tight ends, no big deal. But when you start lining them up in, in unique positions, it changes the whole structure of a defense. Yeah. As far as the defense, Lincoln's message was basically, hey, year three in Alex's system, they're gonna be better at linebacker and defensive back. He he basically was like, you know, watch out. Here we go. Yeah. So that was I, I I enjoyed that. And he also said that other than Mims, other than Marvin Mims, he's expecting Theo Weiss and Jaden Hazelwood. He's expecting those guys to make the jump this year. So that was really encouraging, especially that he threw Hazelwood yeah. in there. So I, I think that means that Hazelwood 
feeling back physically and expecting big things from him. And clearly that would be huge for that offense. Yeah. I like Theo Weiss a lot too. He came on last year and I think receptions wise, he had the same amount as Marvin Mims. Um, and that really didn't start coming on until seemed like the second half of the season, kind of like OU Texas. It seemed like that's where he and Rattler kind of got a connection and started building on it. So I like it. Good stuff. Yeah. For call your shot. We asked, the listeners, what was the most interesting thing you heard from OU at Big Twelve Media Day? And there's there's only one answer that we're gonna we're gonna discuss, Ted, because it's so good. This comes from at OUFB six on Twitter, who said Link Colin Arlington, their home away from home, was fantastic. How does a man that small walk dragging a ball sack that big? <laughs> Yeah, that is funny. I loved it whenever he said that, but it's true. It really is. No one else could say that. They've played there every year, played the Cotton Bowl a couple of times. It's it's starting to feel like a, a home game, very familiar with the area. There's no doubt about it. And by the way, Le- Lincoln Riley's not like a small guy. <laughs> no. He called him a small guy. I, I do like how our man OUFB6 called him Link. Best yeah. buds, OUFB6 and Lincoln Riley. Link. What's up, I Link? like it. I, like, I guess hey. you know Lincoln is always standing around gigantic football players, so that may maybe that makes him look small. That's true. That's a good point. Okay, let's get to the National College Football Roundup. But first, let's talk money. First Fidelity Bank is a full service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs: checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone. Everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank also provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit FFB.com for more information. And don't forget to send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence with a 12 to 1 student to teacher ratio. No student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. There are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join. And as a proud member of the OSSAA, there are 14 sports offered. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org financial aid is available okay ted for the national college football roundup wanted to go through kind of my main takeaway from talking because I, I was able to interview the other nine head coaches in the big 12 down to big 12 media days got to talk to all of them talked to eight of them in person and talked to lance leipold uh virtually because Smart. God, god bless lance leipold i mean Smart by kansas man i love it God bless him. I let's start with Iowa State. Okay, this is going to sound. I I don't care how this sounds. I'm going to preface my comments with this. This is the first time I've got to sit down with Matt Campbell and talk to him extensively. I, I've met him in passing before, handshake, hey, nice to meet you, type stuff. But this was where I got to stand there and talk to him, sit down with him, interview him. Talk to, talk to him some more after. 
He is enchanting. Enchanting, huh? He has, that's the best word for it. He has an enchanting presence to him. Iowa State, and I know some people are like, oh, they've got all these old guys now, all these super seniors back. We're expecting them to be really good this year, and maybe things will drop off. I'm telling you, as long as that guy is there, they are going to be good. He and Ted, uh, I'm 30 years old, man. I ain't got anymore. He made me want to play football again. Like just talking to him about ball, it was it was almost annoying. It was so enjoyable for me. Like I as good as rule. Different than different. rule. Different, not a little bit different than South. You know how much I love Matt Rule. My goodness. Right. I tell everyone that Matt Rule is Ted Lasso. It's the same guy. Yes. That's a, first of all, when's season two coming out soon, right? God, can't next wait. week, I think the uh, 23rd, maybe let's go. But Campbell, he, he just has these quotes, man. And first of all, I don't know where the guy has been, but he is bronzed. I mean, just an impeccable tan with these like <laughs> searing green eyes. Maybe that idea felt like he was staring to my damn soul, but he was talking about Brock Purdy last year. And he's like, man. I told him to put fear in the back seat, put courage in the front seat, just go play some football. And I was like, I'm sitting there like, what in the, like, who tells that? And we asked him why, you know, why is he still at Iowa state? And he hit us with something like, you're either trying to be somebody else or you're trying to do something. And I was like, these, these are like off of, signs you would buy at Hobby Lobby, but like you could realize you realize like this dude believes this stuff to his core. He was about as impressed as I've ever been by a football coach in person. Like I, and I got to talk some offensive line with him, which was fun. Yeah. And it was, it was enchanting. I don't know what else to say. Like, do I love him? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. It was, <laughs> it was, it was cool. It was cool. He was beyond impressive. Well, that's good. Um, it's got to suck as an Iowa State fan when every interview your head coach does, everyone asks like, "Why are you still at Iowa to, State?" When are you to our defense, job? the guy that asked him played quarterback at Iowa State, and he was like, "I always get asked why you're still." At Iowa State. So why are you still there? So that's kind of how it was. But it's a good question. Yeah. It's a good question. He could he could go a bunch of other places, but. The answer he gave to that question, that's when he said, you know, you're either trying to be somebody else or you're trying to do something. And he went on to talk about his mentors, how those people in his life, coaches helped him out of a really bad situation in his life how he wanted to do that for young men. It did. I'm telling you. And it, everything about it, about it felt authentic. It was just, I sat, I, I just sat there like shaking my head, like this dude, I mean, he can't be real. Like that's basically what I said. I was like, this is ridiculous. Well, you know, if the future does look good and, you know, all the guys that are going to be back and going to be really good next year, 
those are, I hate to say this, but as far as recruiting goes, nobody's. They don't have, I don't even know if they've ever had a four-star recruit at Iowa State. That's how poor the recruiting has been there. I assume Purdy ended up being a four-star, right? Because it wasn't like, like Bama was recruiting him towards the end. I don't know if he ended up. I, Maybe. We don't follow recruiting that closely. But development is everything. And they've developed a lot of those guys from, you know, from good, solid, you know, players into elite college football players. And I don't think their development, that doesn't strike me as a place where the development is one deep. You know, I feel like down roster, the guys are getting better as well and are prepared and are going to be ready. But it they will have a, a big exodus of football players after this season it'll it would be hard for anyone to bounce back from how many guys they're going to lose yeah so after i was mesmerized by campbell got to interview sark and this was the second time i've interviewed him first time i'd met him in person and said all the right things right looked good had the common project sneakers on his feet had the rolex on his wrist i was like okay this guy gets it okay but the thing Nothing he said is what stood out to me. And as an OU alum, what B. John Robinson and Keandre Coburn told me off air has me worried. They love him. Love him. I mean, yeah. they were talking about how much fun they're having, how much looser it feels how it feels like the anxiety that was in that building with Tom Herman is gone. And I just went, guys, stop telling me this. No, don't tell me that. But I was like, it's good for the big 12 and I do the big 12 stuff. I get it. But like, I'm an OU guy. Let's just cut it out. But I do think he, he and his staff, because they mentioned uh, Pete Kukowski as well, the new defense coordinator, it sounds like they're connecting with those players. And I don't like that one bit, Ted. I don't like no. it one bit. It's a good staff. Defensive coordinator's a beast. Washington, uh, a lot of people didn't notice because the Pac-12 has been off the radar, but Washington has played amazing defense. Um, so I, I think the staff is really good. I thought it was interesting that some of the things that he said, though, are – they're, they're so Texas that it hurts. Like, Oh, he had, the, just... he had the old cue cards memorized and he was going to stick to it. Right. Well, it was like the, that's why, that's why I really didn't care what he said. Right. He, he was very polished. Don't get me wrong. Right. But getting to talk to the kids, that was, that was, by the way, Bijan Robinson is an impressive, that dude is going to make a killing in NIL stuff. I'm telling you right now. Why can't a coach get up in front of the – at a place like Texas? I know not all schools it's like that. But why can't a coach get up there and say the expectation is to win a national championship this year? And anything aside from that is not good enough. There's no excuses. That's our goal. That's how we approach every single day. And I'm not letting off the gas until we get there. Why do they go up there and start saying, well, you know, it's tough. It's, 
it's hard to win football. It's hard to win games in, in college football. It's tough. You know, you can't just sprinkle fairy dust on it, I think is what he said. Already making excuses. It's already, and it's the same thing I've seen up there three times in a row now. Charlie Strong said the same thing. Tom Herman said it. And now Sark is saying it. There's someone telling those guys to say it. It's got to be that because I can tell you right now, getting to talk to Sark a little bit, that's a confident dude now. Now, he, he he's talked about how, you know, what he's gone through personally, how that's changed his ego, you know, how that's changed him as a person. But I think that's a guy that has a lot of confidence in his ability to coach football. And the the one thing I will say about that, Ted, and what you just said is Sart just came from Bama and every single day he saw those that that roster, right? He saw the kids in that locker room. He saw the kids he had on that offense. The last couple of years, he has had a firsthand account of what it looks like, what it takes. He probably is walking into that Texas locker room going, you know, you know, we got some good looking dudes, but we're we're a little bit away. You know what I mean? Well, I understand that. But you can't say that and let your team hear you. Gotcha. You're yeah, giving no, I'm everyone you. a get out of jail free card. It's like, well, whoo. Oh man, at least we don't have to really go at it this year. Next year, whenever we're a little bit better, we know the systems and we recruit a little bit, then then we'll we'll, we'll really try and win a national championship. But right now, coach says you can't just sprinkle fairy dust on it. So it just lets everyone ease off. And I and I don't I don't doubt that someone's telling him to say that, which is the same problem at Texas. Someone wants to control what's happening in the football teams you know, in the, in the head coach's office instead of letting him run the program. But I don't know. I, if the players love it, sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes it's a bad thing. Right. There's, there's gotta be a balance between having fun, loving the staff and showing up and working your ass off every day. And it's so hard that you dread every single day. There's gotta be a balance there. So that's why uh, I was interested to hear it, but it's funny because that's exactly what Keandre Coburn said about the D-line coach. I think his name, Davis. He was like, this is, he was like, we, we used to be a big joke around group and our new coach, like he, he lets us joke for like a minute and then it's time to be serious and like he's tearing into us. I was like, oh no, don't tell me this, man. <laughs> it was like all this stuff they're telling me. I'm like, no, no. Like I, I keep joking. Keep this, joking keep, around. No, no, no. Keep it light, man. Keep it light. I was like, oh my gosh, they're headed in the right direction, aren't they? They're gonna fool us. They're gonna they're fooling me, Ted. I may pick Texas to blow Louisiana out. I don't know. Damn it. Okay, Oklahoma well, State. You gotta find a quarterback first. I mean, that's that's the big thing for them. Yeah, and Sark, Sark did go, he goes, I didn't know the horns down was such a big thing. I mean, oh my gosh, <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> I booed that. I booed the head of officials when he announced that on the stage. I started booing, and all these people started looking at me. I was like, what? What? It's stupid. It's ridiculous. And they're like, oh, yeah. I can't believe what he said. He basically said, horns down is a penalty, but it's not, but it might be, but maybe it's not, exactly. but maybe it is. 
It's you can't say it probably will be ever. and it probably won't. You can't do that because what happens is whenever you actually do throw it, it's going to look like you threw it when it's convenient for Texas, right? Whenever well, it helps Texas out. I, I wish you would just – I interpreted him, his remarks as basically being like, hey, it's a penalty but not in OU Texas. Like that's how I was like, yeah, like everyone. He, he should have come out and said, we're not going to penalize it in the Cotton Bowl. Sorry, it just, we're not. But oh, the backlash! I felt I didn't feel bad for him. It's just ridiculous. It's so stupid. Let the kids have fun. It's it's a hand signal. You will not disrespect your opponent. Oh, shut up, please. Right. It's so dumb. I agree. It's so dumb. Okay, Oklahoma State. Mike Gundy told us something interesting. Said that Spencer Sanders has progressed more in the last two to three months than he did in two years. I'm buying the Sanders stock, Ted. And, you know, I got to to talk to Sanders too. He kept talking about the chemistry he's got with his wide receivers, the chemistry of the offense, the chemistry of the team. I was like, hmm, dark horse, dark horse for a good year right there. Spencer Sanders, Ted, it's coming. Is it? I don't know. Hook, line, and sinker, man. Unbelievable. He's progressed more in two months than he did in two years. I, I heard Gundy say it. Gundy said that, you know, with the pandemic and not being able to be around those guys, it stunted his growth. It stunted everyone's growth. Spencer Rattler didn't get to have a spring or a a summer going into his starting years as a redshirt freshman. I don't want to hear that crap. It's more excuse making is what it is. Not buying it. if If you're looking to buy, I'll sell all of mine to you. I'll buy low. <laughs> just just need to make a little profit i don't need to, you know okay uh tcu gary patterson was in a great mood when we interviewed him he was just like he was upbeat and positive and i think it because and he mentioned it several times he loves the chemistry that they have and he, he said it a lot publicly now he thinks it's the best chemistry he's seen in that locker room since that 2010 team. And he said there was, this was pretty cool. He said, you know, when classes ended in May that like 80 or 90% of the guys didn't go home and they stayed and worked out together. I was like, okay, that's, uh, that's pretty cool. Who's the 10% that went home? That's what I wanted. I wanted to be like, did you, (laughs) Like who are those guys? They're like, ah, I'll see, you. I'll see you guys in June. Yeah, but I thought that nice. I thought that was pretty interesting, and I I have no idea what TCU is going to be this year. I tried to get Max Duggan to say his offensive line sucked, and he wouldn't do it. True, true quarterback, he wouldn't throw him under the bus. I threw him under the bus for him though. I think he's going to have a great year. Duggan. He told me that he has never benched four hundred pounds. So. Really? Gary may have inflated the uh, the weight room numbers, but still, he he was saying that it was getting real strong. So I was like, okay, hopefully you don't need as much strength because your offensive line might block someone this year. Yeah, and I don't. It doesn't seem that there's a direct correlation between quarterback play and bench press. That's no. not where I'd be looking for the. No, he basically was just a giant running back. Last year, right. he's a pretty big kid, impressive kid. Yep. Okay, West Virginia, 
Neil Brown, he's you talk about a really impressive guy. I'm I love Neil Brown. I think he's a great football coach. I think he's one of the more underrated coaches in the country. And he did say since he took that job, and you got to remember how much talent left after Dana Holgerson's last year. I mean, the cupboard was bare for Neil, but he said it is the first time since he's taken that job where he felt like they had an offensive line that can hold up in the big 12. So I, I thought that that was interesting. I'm interested and he's an offensive guy, right? He's the play caller still. So I'm interested to see what that offense looks like this season. Uh, when it comes to Baylor, Dave Aranda, you're going to love this. Ted. First of all, Dave Aranda is like a damn sensei. He is, he's just fun to listen to. And I got to talk I got to kind of walk through all of the base principles that he has for his three, four defense. And it was really fun, but he was, he was just so into it, but he gave an analogy I'd never heard before when it came to life and to playing football. And he used a stoplight to describe it. He was like, he was like, okay, whether it's life or football, like think of it as a stoplight. When when you're living or playing in the red, you, you just don't know something. Maybe you don't know this, the concept. You don't understand anything. You can't act on anything. And then he was like, well, you, most people and most players play in yellow mode, like yellow light mode. You know, they're a little cautious, a little indecisive. And, you know, you don't, you, it's just not great. And he basically was like, I want my players, you know, with the with the change that they made it, made it offense coordinator and what he's doing with them defensively. He was like, I want my guys to know the schemes and for it to be so simple on offense and defense and that they can play at such an effective level where they're they're living life and playing in green light mode. And I'm just sitting there going, Where'd the stoplight come from? What's it with <laughs> like which where where which one is which color? But he was just breaking it down to me. I was like, oh my God, this is fantastic. He's great. I, he's I awesome. think he's I think Baylor is one of the more underrated teams this year. If they can get anything going offensively, I think they're gonna be a really tough team. I don't know how consistent they're gonna be necessarily, but I think Baylor's going to beat some people that they shouldn't, that people think they shouldn't. Yeah. Hopefully we'll that's not Oklahoma. Yeah. Hopefully it's not OU. Okay. Kansas State, Chris Kleiman, you'll love this. Dad interviewed Chris, and Chris is great. But the level of attention to detail that coaches have, and this is, this is the type of stuff that great coaches do. And Kleiman won all those titles at North Dakota State. And he's, he's a hell of a football coach. They have Stanford in the opener at Jerry World. Well, Big 12 Media Day is at Jerry World. And we're sitting around like we had just finished up our show and we were doing a show from, you know, 10 to 4. And Chris Kleiman, uh, 4 o'clock hits, and he's still hanging out, like walking around the field looking at stuff. So I walk up to him, I'm like, what are you doing? Like, why are you still here? Did the, like, did the jet break down or something? And He's like, hey, you've played here, right? I was like, yeah, a couple times. Played in college, played, played in the NFL. What's up? And he was like, how easy is it for the center to see the play clocks? 
he's already planning for the Stanford game. He pulls Matt Campbell over and starts talking to him about what tunnel they came out of, what sideline, where's the family sit, all of this stuff, like what jersey color they'll be wearing, what's the light going to be like, what because it's an early kickoff. All these details. He's sitting there with like two or three guys on his staff and their operations team going through all of these details for when that game rolls around in the opener. And I was like, this is this this is cool. It is. And, you know, it's interesting whenever you think of all those sayings, like whenever you play a typical football game, whether it's a home game or a road game, it, it's you kind of have you understand the layout a little bit. Right. And it's whenever you hear it put that way, just let you know the advantage that Oklahoma has whenever they play in that because they've played there so many times. Like you, you, you get it like in the afternoon, some of the light coming in through the, the big windows is going to be a little bit different. Um, you know, a lot of people that they've never played there before, just stuck staring straight up at the, I told, the I told him, I go, truck. I go, whatever you do, make sure your kids stretch their necks before the game. He gave me this look. He's like, all you do is stare at that screen. Like that's all right. you do on the sideline. And at the end, your neck kind of hurts. Yeah. So all those things Oklahoma's gotten so comfortable with. After you've played there a bunch of times, you just don't you don't sit there and stare up in awe at the the jumbotron and everything. So no, that's that's good. Details is the key, man. That's the difference between the great teams and the and the average teams. Yeah, we'll see. Okay, and then uh, as far as Texas Tech, Matt Wells. First of all, that guy's awesome. I mean, he's awesome. He's an Oklahoman. That's why he's awesome, of course. But they've got so many new guys on that roster and he was going through all of them with us. I mean, there's just so many new pieces, all the transfers they've got. Like, it's just going to be, it's going to be a completely different football team. Now they still have Sir Roger Thompson and as a common, we'll see if the shut kids, the guy at quarterback, but a lot of pieces to put together in Lubbock for Matt Wells. And it's, it's an important year for him, right? Uh, certainly a sense of urgency with that staff. My guess is he takes over play calling by game eight. <laughs> He's just like, all right, I got it. Comby, <laughs> you're done. Yeah, I, he's that, – that is a very tough project. And when you don't – whenever you take over a job and you don't have any type of instant success to build on, it makes it incredibly difficult. And I feel like he's kind of in that spot right now where, where they're in a hole and it's going to be really difficult to climb out. Yeah. We'll see. I like that guy a lot though. I hope they, mm-hmm. I hope they have a good year. And then Kansas, God bless Lance Leipold. I, I don't know what else to say. Just a reminder, took that job in April. We asked him about the quarterback competition. Cause he was a quarterback. He was a quarterback at Wisconsin whitewater he's coached quarterback he's been he's been a coordinator he's an offensive guy and we asked we asked him about the quarterback battle and he goes well you know it's i'm I'm probably going to learn a lot when i see him throw in person for the first time (laughs) i mean he took the job in april they had already gotten all the spring ball in wow that's crazy poor lance leopold man well see here's the difference between uh, Leipold at Kansas and Wells at Tech. You, there is no worse at Kansas. You know, 
if you do anything at all, show any signs of improvement, you've done a good job. So that's true. It's a good point. We'll see. All right, let's I get to our winners and losers this year, though. It's yeah, be tough. <laughs> yeah, let's get to our winners and losers of the weekend. But first, do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too if your business wants to be best-in-class. Connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. And guys, summer is here, and you know what that means. It is hard seltzer season, baby. And there's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast, and that is Will and Wiley Hard Seltzer from Coop Aleworks. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it by the pool, at the lake, and at the tailgate. It's made in Oklahoma, and it is absolutely delicious. Will and Wiley is customized for the Oklahoma lifestyle. Go find it right now in a store near you, and go follow them on social media at, at Will and Wiley. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the weekend? I got to go with Colin Marikawa. Uh, unbelievable shot a final day 66 was without a doubt the best player on the course bogey free Gabe for the final 31 holes Um, the first pro to win two majors under 25 cents or the only other that's it only other one that's that's gotta be the answer yeah Yeah, answer's always uh, Tiger Woods right amazing listen to this he's just in his second year 50 his first 50 pga tour events five wins two majors four major top tens and 14 million dollars in earnings unbelievable with uh with what he's done so quickly he's a beast and He's got that effortless swing, effortless uh, way that he makes his way around the golf course. That was a lot of fun to watch. First player ever to win two majors in his first attempt, right? Yeah, I think so. It's uh, there's a lot of a lot of those things that are just like it's crazy. First ever is usually, I mean, it's usually good when you're the first kind ever to do thing. something <laughs> in a sport. He crazy. he is what I strive to be. As a golfer, Ted, now uh, I'm not 24 years old. I'm past that. I'm also not good at golf, but just nice and easy with the driver. Doesn't hit it super long, just really consistent, puts it in the fairway. And then, dude, you look at all the advanced stats. Sometimes I kind of nerd out on golf now. And by the way, I'm just realizing I haven't hit a golf ball since that baby was born. I got to fix that this week. I got to get out, man. Yeah. Every dad has said the same thing, and some of their kids are like eight years old right now. I'm missing it. I'm missing it bad. I was watching today. I was like, when's the last time I hit a golf ball? It was was one of those things. But his advanced stats, like on, you know, the tee to green stuff and the iron play, like what it's like, they, they categorize it as ball strike striking, right? I mean, he is 
destroying everyone else on tour in some of those stats. Like he is an unbelievable iron player. That's what, that's what I want my game to be, right? You know, drive it straight, keep it in the fairway, and then just be a beast with the irons. Ted, is that too much to ask? It's a lot to ask, yeah. Damn it. it. <laughs> I was hoping you'd – no, I need you to be like, yeah, man, you got it. I need positive no, reinforcement. you got it. Hey, you've, you. got the, you've got the athleticism. All it takes is time, attention to details. You'll get there. I'm, I am, I'm realizing that I now regret not putting a golf simulator in the new house. Huge error. Cause I could, I could be hitting like 50 balls a day, like babies sleeping, you know, like, Hey, let's, let's get on the simulator. Let's work on the game. Why is it too late? I don't know. I, I got some text to send. See, <laughs> see where I can put it. Right. Yeah. See if my wife, see, I've always wanted one of those. That would be so awesome. I think, I think there's a spot. Hopefully God, that'd be sweet. That'd be, be so awesome. sweet. Got to get it. Got to do it. All right, who do you have as your loser of the weekend? Well, uh, speaking of golf, I thought about going with DeChambeau, uh, saying that his driver sucks. Uh, Did you see Fantastic. Yeah, I said he loves his driver. That Wait, okay. So DeChambeau wasn't like a Cobra rep caddying for him? I think that was like a week ago. What, like yes. it was recently, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So good. And they're like... We've we've been over backwards giving him everything. The the guy that caddied for him is like he's never happy. Uh, he never will be happy. Everything like, that we do for him, he's didn't just he say he's like he is. throws he throws temper tantrums like a child. <laughs> like the stuff he was saying was so good. I was like, oh my gosh, Teddy's gonna love this. He came back and said, I apologize. My driver doesn't suck. I suck. <laughs> we've great. all been there. Like this driver sucks. Like right. this, it's like no. The swing sucks. You suck. Like if, if, but the way you swing, I mean, it's, what does he expect, man? Yeah. You're swinging out of your damn shoes every time. That's going to happen, man. That's why everyone didn't laugh, but kind of scoffed at the notion that he's going to do that. And I remember he had one win early on and everyone's like, oh my God, we got to change the balls and we're hitting it too far. I was like, let's just relax until he, you know, wins a major or maybe three majors or something like that in a row. But remember when they thought he was going to break Augusta National? They're like, will he break the course? And yeah, <laughs> he's uh, just like, oh, no. no, no, he will not. He can't. But no, he won't. I also thought about going with Bob Bowlesby. Can you explain to me why on national television at Big 12 Media Day? He makes Josie and OU look bad by saying what he said. We all signed the same contract. We're going to abide by it. I don't get that. Why would he? Why would he? Why, why would he, wouldn't he? I and go I, to bat. I, I know for the, the money maker in this conference. I, I know Bob well. I've got to know him over the last couple of years doing my Big Twelve show, and he. He he's not he's not one for controversy, right? Well, now he's really I, good at his job, but you're right. He missed an opportunity to be like, "Hey, we signed the contract. We all know what we signed up for, but we don't like it." Like that's what he could have said. What he said, but then had a qualifier being like, 
Oklahoma deserves to be in prime time. I, I'm with yes. you. He could have. Yeah, he you know could have. Here's the stuck problem for OU. The problem is Bowlesby doesn't want to upset the TV partners because him and every other school in this conference are free or, or uh, used to getting their free check. They don't bring anything to the table. No one watches any of their games. Like the first couple of weeks of the season, everyone in the Big 12 is on ESPN+. Plus. You got to stream their shows. There's no one in the stands unless OU comes to town. The only reason there's any revenue in this conference is because of us. And he gets up there on the podium and says, we're just going to abide by the contract. It's such it's it's a joke. It's pathetic. All he has to do is say exactly what you said. But he's got the 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 TV execs in his in his back pocket saying, don't you go out there and say anything. Get you get you in trouble there, Bob. You don't want that free check to not come in the mail. Piss me off, man. Made me really mad. Did it? I can't tell. I don't understand that. I, yeah, I, I don't just, either. I can't figure out why you wouldn't back your cash cow, at least in public. And in private, you may, may say, listen, Joe, there's nothing we could do. We signed the contract. You know what the contract is. We just got to abide by it. But you don't go out there in public and say that is crap. It's pathetic. Yeah, um, I think I, I, I'm with you. You could have handled it differently for sure. But my real loser is uh, Pro Football Focus, PFF. They had – you've got to explain this to me. They had their top ten defenses coming coming back to college football next year. Oklahoma's nowhere to be found. And then under that, they had just missed the cut, and they listed nine more schools. I mean, they had they, – Alabama, Birmingham was in there. Pitt was in there. Marshall was in there. And no doubt that these are, are good schools with good football teams, okay? Um, but the fact that they don't have Oklahoma in the top 20 defenses in the country coming back is pathetic. And one of the main reasons it's pathetic is because in the same day, they have Oklahoma with the number one pass rush in college football. How the hell can you do that? I I do not know, Teddy. You and I, we have a love-hate relationship with Pro Football Focus. You know that. They're just throwing stuff against the wall and seeing what sticks. Oh, Pitt's the number five defense in college football. Way to go, Pitt. It's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. They have They have no idea what the hell they're talking about. They're just spitballing. I wonder what statistics, like because that that's their thing, right? Numbers, right? I wonder what combination of numbers they used to decide that Marshall is going to have a better defense than Oklahoma. It that's gets in- worse. It gets worse, Gabe. They listed West Virginia in the schools that just missed the cut. West they, Virginia was good on defense last year. They were, so that's one where you're like, okay, okay, respect. They listed TCU, which TCU was good too, and they listed Iowa State. All of those schools were good, but OU was better. OU was better than all of them. And I know statistically West Virginia was better, but guess who West Virginia didn't have to play last year? They didn't have to play Oklahoma, and that would have changed the ranking, and OU would have been in front of them in every category. So um, they have three Big 12 teams 
in the top 20 and they don't have Oklahoma. Oklahoma will be the best defense in the Big 12 next year by quite a margin, and they even know it. They've got them as the number one pass rush in, in all of college football. How can you have that and not even make it in the top 20 when statistically you were better than the other three Big 12 teams that you put in front of them? You can't. It's stupid. It is stupid. Oh, fun fact. Marshall led college football in scoring defense last year. How about that? Did they play a full schedule? They played 10 games. Only allowed 13 points a game. How about that? Look, hey, respect to you, Marshall. That all being said, OU still got a better defense than them because they have better players. Well, that's kind of what I'm saying. I mean, yeah, no, I'm with you. You know who the best defenses in the country are, Ted? Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma. Those are the best defenses in the country because they have the best players and they have great defensive coordinators. That's right. It's, it's, let's not over that really it. that simple. It's yeah, it is. It's and Iowa State, which they got a by damn the good way, defense. They had Alabama number one, Clemson number two or three, Ohio State. They were all right there, and those schools didn't have the one, two, and three defenses statistically in the country last year. So I don't know. I'll say this: we should thank PFF, right? Bulletin That's got to go material. up somewhere in the defensive meeting room. That's right. You get you if you're Alex Grinch, you print that tweet out, you blow it up huge, and you put it everywhere. That's what I would do. Just a nice reminder. It probably shouldn't frustrate me as much as it does, but no, I love I, how much it. Like you are fired up right now. I love it. It just does. You cannot say that they have the best rush in all of college football but they're not a top 20 defense. What the hell sense does that make? That doesn't make any sense at all. You are correct, sir. I'm on your side on this. And I love how much it bothers you. Shout out to PFF. Thank you for the fuel for Oklahoma's defense. We appreciate you. Okay, Ted. New sponsor alert. Uh Uh-oh. Are you looking to buy or sell a house in the OKC metro area? I just used the Ronaldo Cloud Group to sell my old house, and it was so easy and stress-free. Stacia Ronaldo and Maddie Cloud are with Sage Sotheby's International Realty. They believe in prompt communication, an honest relationship, and luxury service, and that's exactly what they gave me. You can reach them by emailing Stacia at Stacia at SageSir.com. That's S-T-A-C-I-A at S-A-G-E-S-I-R.com. Or you can contact them on Instagram at at sold by Stacia and at sold by Maddie underscore. You will not regret it. Okay, for my winner of the weekend, thought about going with Colin Morikawa. Knew you would hit that because I we've been we've done a few of these, bud. I, I knew mm-hmm. you were going to hit golf. I was like, it'll take care of that. Don't you worry. I also thought about going with a few of the players from the Padres. Right? Did you see that, man? I, and that was a. And it was outside the stadium, right? But a, a scary situation there in Washington, D.C. But you saw Tatis and Manny Machado, and I think the other guy, other guy's name's like Will Myers, something like that, helping fans eventually. Like they, I, Tatis ran to the stands and was getting people's family and stuff. Like then they were taking fans into the dugout. That, that was a scary situation at that game. But I thought that those dudes from the Padres handled it well. That was, that was pretty cool how they, how they did that. 
Yeah, it's nuts. You never know when something like that's going to happen. So you got to be prepared. You got to know what you would do at, at any moment and always at least maintain a little bit of vigilance as to what's going on out there. Yeah. Stay away from walls. Travel in small pack. Bullets bounce, bullets bounce off walls. I saw that a couple times on Twitter. I was like, okay, noted. noted. Stay <laughs> away from walls. I was like, oh, we should probably not have to talk about that at a sporting event. Okay, but my winner of the weekend, it's got to be the Bucks, the Milwaukee Bucks. that game five. And we've, we've seen some great game fives in the history of the NBA Finals, and this one did not disappoint, man. The, the Bucks go to Phoenix, beat the Suns in game five, and the three guys that they are paying a fortune earned every dollar. They played fantastic basketball. Giannis is just, he, he continues to be a joke of a human being with his physical ability. Still can work on the free throws, but. It, I'm telling you, man, if, if he, like, to me, that's the difference. If he was a, a high 80 free throw shooter, forget about it. Cause you can't stop him going to the rim, but late in games, you know, he gets a little skittish, you know, because he's worried about the, the foul line, you know, I, once he gets better, and I think he will get better because that's what he does, he's he's going to be – he'll be unstoppable. Did did you see what Chris Paul – because they gave up the big – because they gave up the big offensive rebound in the free throw, the, Sun, mm-hmm. the Suns did when Giannis shot it. And Chris Paul after they're like, how – you know, what, what happened? And he was like, well, everyone's anticipating him missing, including him. <laughs> <laughs> it was like I, was, I thought it was pretty funny, but a little dagger there. So, and, and you're right, just and no one has an answer for it. But the Suns just they don't have an answer for Giannis attacking the rim. Uh, some of the stuff he's able to do when he's got a head of steam, man, whew, boy. But Chris Middleton hit some big shots. But the the real dif- difference in the game was Drew Holiday. He was great. He he shot it really well. He was aggressive offensively. Ends up with 27 points, 13 assists, and then was just phenomenal. I mean, just playing at a ridiculous level on the ball, on the defensive end of the floor, and makes the huge play at the end of the game, right? These these really competitive games on the biggest stage in sports, right? They come down to these moments, and him stripping Booker, some people, a Suns fan, will tell you it was a foul. I didn't. I didn't think it was a foul. I, I didn't it was think clean. it was. I saw it from. I was outside watching it, and it was pretty far away. But then I went back and watched it. I was like, I thought that was clean. You know, I. I don't. You can't really make much of an argument, in my opinion. He got his hands directly on the ball. I think there was some contact after he had grabbed the ball, but I thought it was a good, good playoff basketball play. Yeah, and then had the onions. To toss the lob to Giannis, just an awesome finish. And Chris you Paul can throw it to... anywhere in the vicinity of the the rim, and he's going to hammer that one home. Yeah, but just a just a brilliant game from Drew Holiday. I mean, it was especially he'd received a lot of criticism, especially for some of the offensive games he's had throughout the playoffs. Uh, that had to feel good for him, and just what a win by the Bucks. I I felt bad for the. For the Suns fan, the guy that was counting all the money, man, that had to ruin his night. He, he got his camera time, though, Ted, so I, I didn't feel too bad for him. It was great. 
It was a big win. I, uh, you hate to take away too much from it, but that win on the road, it's all of a sudden it feels like the Suns have their – they do, but their backs are pinned against the wall, and there's some things that they just don't really have an answer for. Yeah, and it's Giannis. <laughs> I mean, they just – and, I mean, Chris Paul, I, I know you you end up looking at the stats – and you look at the line and did you're like, okay, yeah, he played well. He, I did not think he was very good until the fourth quarter. Yeah. I, I really didn't. Booker kind of saved their ass hitting some of the shots he hit. I mean, he was he I think that's what it's gonna take is just Booker like, going for like fifty. Booker hitting some unbelievable shots, and Chris Paul's gonna have to have uh another huge game. Well, at least LeBron was there to support Chris Paul in the loss. Did you see? <laughs> Did you have First a bottle of all, tequila with him? Yes, he's. It's it's called like Lobos or something. I I don't know, but I think it's like it, he must be a big investor in it because he puts be. it on his Instagram all the time. He had it in between his legs, at, like courtside. Just you know what? Free camera time. Respect, man. I respect. When, when you're that famous, you get to do whatever you want. <laughs> And that includes bring your own bottle of tequila and set it right between your legs, courtside, and drink out of it. Them's the rules, man. Well, I, I would be shocked, but I saw him take a wine glass uh, to the bench whenever he was injured a couple of years ago. You remember that? Yeah. I just he's he's so good at basketball. He's built such a massive brand. He gets to do what he wants. I mean, that's just how it works. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I saw that. I was like, first of all, his outfit. Whew, that that a way to make a statement, LeBron. Nice Which and loud I, with the shirt. I do have to say, my son watched um, Space Jam today with LeBron. And? I don't know. I, I didn't hear anything post-movie, but I'm, I fear that he may be a LeBron James fan after watching it. I hope that's not the case. We'll see. I'm planning on watching it this week. We'll do, we'll do a review. We'll do a review on... Uh, when we record Wednesday night, hopefully I get it in. Hopefully I'll be able to watch it. Okay. So my loser of the weekend, uh, thought about going with Max Verstappen. Ted, I'm deep, I'm deep into formula one. I'm in, I like it, but Lewis Hamilton spins him out and his day at the F1 British grand prix was over before it really even got started, man. Was it a racing incident? Was it malicious? You tell you me, tell me history. It, oh, well, these these two dudes, they're they are they are battling for the drivers' championship, man. These are okay. the two. I mean, and what Lewis Hamilton's won like seven drivers' championships in a row. Like he's that he's the best F one driver ever. And Verstappen is fantastic. And he and, and the Red Bull was running well. But basically in this sport. It, it was interesting because I don't know a ton about it. So I'm trying to figure out like, okay, was what he did really that bad? The Lewis Hamilton fans basically said, no, 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 that's a racing incident. That's what they call like it. Basically them going, Hey, it happens. And then on the other side, the Verstappen fans were basically saying that Lewis Hamilton tried to murder Max Verstappen <laughs> with what he did. And I'm like, which one is it? Which one is it? But <laughs> I, I got to learn a little more about the sport, but, Sunday mornings, man. Yeah, I'm in. 
I'm in. Something to watch Sunday cool. morning. I love it. It's great. I like it. That's good stuff. Once if you if you watch the Netflix thing, you'll get hooked. Drivers, they're pretty I need cool. to get back into it. I watched a couple of episodes of it uh like late spring last year. I need to get back into it. It's good. It's good. Okay, but my loser of the weekend, Vanderbilt football. Mm. And we don't talk a lot of Vanderbilt football on here. And now I, I will say this. Clark Lee, their new head coach. Comes from Notre Dame. He was the defense coordinator there. The, the guy can coach. I mean, I think he's, I think he's really, really good. But he's doing the absolute most. Ted Clark Lee and his new staff at Vandy removed all the numbers from the roster. Yeah, no player currently has a jersey number in the Vanderbilt football program. Here's the quote from head coach Clark Lee. We're going to earn everything in this program until we understand that we rent those numbers. We don't own them until we are ready to work within them, leave them better for the next person to wear them. That will come. I don't want to put a timeline on it. I'll put a timeline on it. Uh, Early September, whenever (laughs) you play your first game, you better have some numbers by then. I mean... (laughs) <laughs> what i remember remember when OU took the last names off the back of the jerseys yeah i was pissed about that no numbers at all this is madness were I mean, you, when, you weren't there were you no hell no that was no, like oh six yeah it was oh six yeah it was so miserable that everyone still remembers the year it was because we all were well, like who is everybody i only remember it because i just watched the oh six big 12 championship game and they didn't have the names on the back but um I understand what he's doing, but it's a little much. It's a little much. You usually do that with like the nameplate or something. Yeah, I don't know. I, but. I mean, because it's basically, and it's not like a threat, but like the kids know they're going to get the numbers back. Right. That's how the sport is played. Like you have to have a number. That's the rule in the sport. So I'm just, I'm just imagining like a kid not playing well in camp like and he doesn't get the number he's had for two years and he has to call his mom and he's like crying he's like mom i'm not gonna be number 11 anymore and she's like what with you you're not gonna be number 11 anymore what do i do with all these jerseys your father and i have had made like these things aren't cheap these are custom son what happened and he's like i'm just a failure they give number 11 to jimmy (laughs) if you're the first to earn your number do you get pick of the litter I or do you just get your number back? I I don't know. That's why it seems so stupid. Like, can someone just if they're like this guy has earned a number, can some freshman just jack a senior's number? Like, there's gonna be fights, Clark Lee. I I bet you just get your number back, and well, then that's I, just stupid. I agree. How are they going to identify people in practice in camp? I guess they did some of this throughout the spring. Like everyone was just super confused. Like you see the coach. Hey, Hey Matt, that's you, right? Yeah. I thought so. Looked like you on tape. (laughs) You know, who's really pissed is the equipment guys. They already have a ton of stuff to do. And this is just going to make it extra hard to, to get everyone's stuff together and, order new jerseys that are numberless, well, which 
Good luck. I don't even know where you would get those. I mean, whoever's making those is like, what do you mean no numbers on them? That's funny. The The best part about it is, like, how do they give out the jerseys? I guess. Like, do they put their name on the inside? Like, do, does it still have their have name on it? on it with your locker number or something? Yeah, it's probably their number that's on it. So, they, so the equipment guys know where the hell to put it. It's, I just saw that and I was like, Clark, I... I think I get what you're trying to do. Like you gotta earn everything. Dude, just just give the kids numbers. Just let them have yeah. numbers. It's it's it no one else is doing this, man. <laughs> I mean, what? Cause I know I, numbers are important, but they're not that important. If you want to threaten someone with that you have to have this to earn it. It's got to be something that people really want, like that you need in your daily life. And if you don't have it, it's going to make your life miserable. Your jersey without a number on it doesn't really change anything for you. That's that I liked what Matt Rule did at Baylor, right? The single digits, like Hell being yeah. a reward. I love that. Yeah. That was cool. Like that's something where it's like, hey, you earn one of these single digits. Like it is an honor to wear one of the single digits like that stuff's cool to me like that incentivizing that when it comes to the jerseys taking guys numbers off their jerseys like it just it just makes it hard to watch tape <laughs> like yeah. I, I, the single digit thing that uh, uh that was awesome that did they, did they kept that right yeah kept it it was so it, awesome. everyone was like this is awesome yeah we're keeping it because i mean that's like that's a big thing you come in as a freshman you're saying hey by the time I'm a junior, by the time I graduate, I want to be a single digit guy. And it's, it's cool. That's a great incentive. I would, I would imagine that and being a captain are kind of about the, which Mm -hmm. I will say this, and this has always bothered me. Oh, you should put captain C's on their jerseys. I, it bothered me when I was a captain that we didn't have one. Really? I'll be, I'll be honest. I, I always thought, I was like, you know what? It is an honor. And maybe it's selfish to me. I was like, I want everyone in this thing to know that I earned it. I did. I don't know. It's like the single digit thing for better. It's like, yeah, I want you to know. I want you to know I'm a captain. Throw a C right above Sooners. Which I don't know. Me, um, you were a captain too. Maybe it didn't bother you. But I, I always remember dude, putting on my jersey the two years I was a captain. I was like, this thing should have a C on it, man. I had no idea captains even had a C on their jersey whenever I played. Or at least at maybe Oregon. like one of the soccer armbands, something. Yeah, give me an armband. Um, that does remind me, though, and we'll have to get into this at a later date, but uh, advertisements coming on the college jerseys, it sounds like. Oh, yeah. Should we Yay. put should we put the, uh, the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hiker and Layman logo on a jersey somewhere? Tulsa, call us. We uh, UCO. We may have to go UCO lower. roll shows. <laughs> That's right. We're gonna have to go lower, I believe. All right. On on that note, episode one thirty in the books. We'll have a new podcast that will drop Thursday morning. Just a reminder: you can hear Teddy from two to six on Sports Talk fourteen hundred. You can hear me from three to five on Sirius XM Big Twelve Radio Channel three seventy five. Hope you all have a great week. Until next time, we appreciate y'all for listening. And do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other.
just one more 